0: You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church.
1: This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my two lovely co hosts. First, the Secretary of Great, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie?
2: I'm great. We're bringing back the uh, like a moniker. Is that what it
1: is? Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Love I don't it. know. Better than an epitaph, and of course, Zachary. my first lady, Mrs. Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea?
3: I'm I'm doing great. I'm, I'm star I'm starstruck because uh, because of our guest. I'm super. Oh, pumped. is it me?
1: Is it your husband? Is it?
3: Yes, I always <laughs> feel that way. Um, that's why I wear a big hat and sit in the front row at church. I just <laughs> <laughs> always feel so excited to see you, Adam.
1: Well, today we are honored by the presence of the Honorable Doctor Russell Moore, ladies and gentlemen, Doctor. How are you doing today, Dr. Moore? Doing great. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Now, you will not, this would not be as memorable for you, but I bet you can remember the event where you and I first met. We've interacted a couple of times over the years, but the first time you and I met was in a hotel in Washington, D.C., and we were snowed in with about a thousand oh, other yes, people at yes, Evangelicals yes. for Life. Yes. And it was, it was a snow apocalypse. Do you remember this event? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, because
0: uh, we were snowed in. And one of the things I remember is that, you know, everybody else in the city was wondering, what are we going to eat? But my friend and then Executive Vice President, Philip Bethencourt, whose birthday is today as we're recording Happy this. Happy birthday, Philip. Keeps more food than any human being. It's like a cruise ship uh, all the time. And so we, we had no worries. We, so
1: you were ready to survive the snow apocalypse. Everybody else was going to starve around you and you were hoarding. Because I don't remember you mentioning that to the people around you. Well, <laughs>
0: it, it, it was, Philip had it and it was, uh, yeah. He, he was like up a there prepper on making the fajitas and stuff. I mean, uh, he's, uh, uh,
1: that's funny. He was de- doomsday prepping at a, at a Christian conference. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. All right. Well, Dr. Moore, many people know you as an author and a leader, and I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your ministry. But in in light of the fact that this is the Family Discipleship Podcast, and we talk about equipping families, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your ministry, but also a little bit about you as a husband and father. Would you just introduce yourself for our listeners?
0: Well, um, my wife Maria and I have been married for 30 years as of this May coming this wow. coming May, and we have five sons, uh, range from twenty two to twelve. Uh, we adopted our first two from a Russian orphanage when they were a year old, and the others came along the more typical way. And we live in Nashville, Tennessee. Love it. That's so, That's great. so great.
2: Thirty years is no small thing. Do you ever sing the Maria song from West Side Story to your wife? <laughs>
0: Uh, not from West Side Story, but I do, um, there are several other Maria songs that we have. (laughs) It's a great name. Brooks and Dunn and uh,
2: Willie Nelson as a Maria song. (laughs) Uh, We have several books that we recommend at our church. We've, we recommend Adopted for Life. We recommend Storm Toss Family, but even new one that came last year came out called Losing Our Religion. We'd love to hear what led you to write that book.
0: Uh, you, mostly because I was having conversations, a lot of conversations with people that reminded me of what I had gone through as a 15-year-old when I started to wonder, is Christianity all just about something else? Is mm-hmm. it? Is it really about morality or politics or something, and went through a spiritual crisis that I came through. And I was having that kind of conversation with a lot of people, some mm-hmm. of whom were kind of just on the precipice of of leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, and I thought one of the things that was, there was a danger for some people well, there are dangers for people of really two kinds of cynicism. One of them being the cynicism that says, I'm just going to give up and not going to trust anybody or anything. But the other kind of cynicism that says, just ignore uh, everything and tell, tell people that what they see, they're not seeing.
2: Mm. Um, so
0: I, I, I wanted to have a different conversation than that. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Okay. One of the best lines in the early part of your book is that, and I'll quote, What Jesus builds is different altogether, a church that cannot be bought with Caesar's coin and cannot be stopped with Caesar's cross. As we look to the new year ahead and are expecting it to be full of tension uh, and division with the election coming up, how can Christians stand out and be different in a good way?
0: Well, I mean, the primary way is not to worship politics. Um, I mean, one of the things that we're seeing right now is that politics really is not what politics is about uh, right now in, um, in American life. It's about um making sure that i belong in my tribal community and prove it by what mm-hmm. i think and say about uh, about uh, everybody else that would be the, the first thing just just being freed to a life that is not dominated by that would be the first thing and the second thing would be focus on the how and not just the what so it's whatever sort of uh, level of engagement you might have or might be called to. Uh, What matters isn't just what you're doing. It matters how you get there.
2: Mm, That's good.
3: Thank you for that, Dr. Moore. I just want to tell you also that we just appreciate your voice in – uh, in church leadership I've gotten to hear you speak at Thank the march you. for life where where we were all trapped in in that blizzard <laughs> and uh, MLK 50 and some other things and you just you speak in such a profound way but um, but also just you're a person of peace and I really appreciate that yeah I've been grateful for that in light of, of what we're talking about what Cassie just mentioned and what I what I've gotten to see in you is that you seem like you're able to keep such a level head even when mm-hmm. you're saying things um, that a lot of people would view as continuous uh, contentious or offensive, even. And so people around you are losing your minds and you're keeping a level head. Help us think about how we can keep our churches from devouring each other over politics this year. Help us.
0: Well, I'm not sure that uh, I know exactly how we can keep our, our churches from devouring each other because... Um, we don't actually know what's in front of us. I mean mm-hmm. if, if you think about at the beginning of say 2020 if you had said what's the next year going to look like we would have had you know, several things that we would have mentioned yeah. we would not have mentioned what 2020 actually turned out to be. We didn't yeah. see that coming and that's been that's been the case uh, for quite a while so we don't actually know mm-hmm. what it is that we're going to be facing and there's not a lot that an individual person can do about the church most broadly or about their particular church, what they can do is to not give into that sort of devouring if it, if it does happen and model a different way. And, you know, once you have enough people who do that, you have something different happening. But I think there are a lot of people who kind of um, when they look at, this seems so big that they they sort of think, well, there's nothing that I can do. And mm-hmm. so they just kind of shut down. Well, you can do something different, which is you can be something different. Mm. That's good.
3: Yeah. So in talking about our, our culture's attention, you say that crazy wins in the short run to gain attention, spectacle is the way to be noticed. Um, how can moms and dads help their families not get caught up in the spectacle of the news cycle in order to see what's really going on?
0: Well, I think you have to know your own family in terms of what, um, what are the deficiencies that need to be shored up and what are the vulnerabilities that need to be strengthened. So I was just talking to somebody earlier today who was asking about parenting and I said, you know, I'm a completely different father to all five of my sons hmm. That's because they're different people and they, they need different things. So uh, I might have one son who's really, really black and white, either or on everything and very hard on himself. And I have to say, you know, relax. Mm-hmm. And then another son where I might have to say, uh, you, you really need to take something more seriously and and uh, see the clarity here. Uh, so you have to do that with your family with this too, mm-hmm. which is to say, um, is my family more given to a kind of apathy mm-hmm. or is my family given more to a kind of frantic frantic anxiety? Is mm-hmm. my family given more to anger? And then shore that up. And, and so bring what is needed uh, there to kind of balance that. Out And the other thing is, to I think what's most important, especially for parents, what's, what's most important is not so much what you are teaching. I mean, if you think about this with all of our, you know, I, th- I lost my dad three years ago, and I think about mm. uh, my dad, very few things that he told me are important to the way that I live my life in terms of big conversations. We're going to sit down and talk about this, but I'm constantly thinking, what would my dad have done in this situation? Mm. And so it was all of these times when I don't think he was trying to teach me anything, but it was just the way that he was
3: Mm.
0: that I think is, is really important. I mean, so for instance, I would have Um, I had friends who had uh, really, really strict kind of authoritarian parents, and I had uh, friends who had really permissive kind of absent parents, and I just noticed my parents were different than that, and it it wasn't that they sat down and said, this is what we're doing. This is why we're avoiding, you know, we're, we're, we're letting you actually watch television and and listen to music and so forth. It wasn't just that; it was, it was kind of a vibe uh, that that you're picking up that was important. And I think the same thing is true when you're dealing with this kind of a year.
2: Mm, I love that because we talk a lot about modeling on the podcast. You know, we've we've got kind of we talk about discipleship, and it's like what we model is so often more important than even what we're saying with our words. And so yeah. that's really and important. a lot of that has
0: to do with emotional reaction, because I mean, one -hmm. of the things that you can, you can tell are what are the things that really matter to you, um, by the way that they engage your emotions. And so it's sometimes easy, easier to identify where your idols are Mm -hmm. by what drives you crazy. (laughs) <laughs> and so it's kind of an, uh, an opportunity to step back and say, oh, what, what's really going on there?
3: That is a good word. Also, I just want to stop and say, praise God that you had a father that you can look back and, and think, what would he have done? Um, mm-hmm. Our listeners and and the three of us included, that's the kind of parents we want to be. Uh, mm-hmm. That even after we're gone, our kids will look back and and uh, and use such modern verbiage say that that it was a vibe. Your dad was a vibe um, that you can look back and try to imagine um, what he would have said or done. And that's a really beautiful thing. Not not mm-hmm. everybody has that and so many of our listeners are kind of looking to to rewrite the book for their own family for lack of previous examples. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think the important thing with that is that I don't think he knew mm-hmm. that he was doing any of that. So it's not like he was a parenting expert. who uh, <laughs> was going in there he 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 did what he knew to do. And um and I think that I think that 98% of parenting is knowing what not to freak out about, and <laughs> that's what it took me a while uh, to, to learn. So by the time our third son came along, I was completely relaxed with middle school in a way that I wasn't. The first two, I would think, oh, no, what is going on? Is this the, uh, <laughs> you know, are they smoking weed? I mean, yeah. what is and now it's, oh, yeah, that's what it is to be 12.
1: Middle schools are very perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, one of the things we do talk a lot about here, when you're talking about parenting, we talk a lot about hypocrisy about how kids can see through also a facade in their parents if their parents are kind of faking kind of the model that we're talking about. One of the heaviest realities I think that you share in your new book, you say. We see now young evangelicals walking away from evangelicalism, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. It seems like you're kind of calling out there kind of the big C church on practicing what we preach and how that's impacting this generation's uh, trust, maybe in the institution, certainly in the leadership. Anything specific that you're seeing right now that we should be concerned about as church members and leaders that maybe we can be thinking? We also have a lot of church staff who listens to this podcast who's maybe seeing some of these same things and certainly in a year or in a season, or maybe it's always been this way in America where it's, there's a lot of tension and a lot of division. How does the church become the one that really stands by a truth and really practices that? What are the kind of specific concerns you're seeing there for the church? Well, I noticed at some point uh,
0: several years ago that I have always had people who would come to me and say, I'm thinking about walking away from the faith. But early in my ministry, people almost always fit into one of two categories. Either they were saying, I just can't accept the supernatural anymore. I can't believe that a virgin got pregnant, that a a dead man came back to life, something like that. Or they were people who were saying, I think the church's morality is too strict and out of date, and I want to do something else uh, with my life. I almost rarely, I almost never hear any of those now. The, the fundamental question right now is most often, is this really just a way to get to something else? Hmm. Is this really just a means to an end? And what happens is if, if Christianity is a means to an end, no matter what the end is, it isn't Christianity anymore. It, it's whatever that thing is. Right. So if, if what you, I mean, early in the 20th century, you would have, um, you would have a lot of people would say, well, what, what Christianity is good for is it civilizes people. Uh, it, it helps the social order to hold together. Well, if that's your view of Christianity, you can get that other ways. And people finally figure out, okay, well, if that's what you're wanting, we can do that without giving up a, a Sunday morning. And it, that, the same is true whatever it is that, that the Christianity is a means to an end for. And that's, I think, what's, what's fundamentally at the heart of do you really believe this stuff? And, and by that, I mean not that they think that their churches are lacking of conviction or they don't believe anything. It's do they really believe Jesus? And all that that entails, or is it really just about Christianity, American Christianity? That's, that's, I think,
1: the fundamental question. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey Complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. sometimes hard things happen sometimes they happen to children when god makes scribbles beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that god can take their hard things and use them for good this picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere readers will journey through god's promises from the bible inspiring hope and faith in god's good and redemptive plan hard things don't always go away but god can turn them into something beautiful available at beautifulscribbles.com download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards yeah that's some of what you're talking about too a lot of in the book obviously when you're talking about politics you're talking a lot about power Mm -hmm. you're talking a lot about control and some of this when it's implied in the church that maybe there's a a generic group you know a they who is using this as a means to gain some kind of control. We we think about that, obviously, in our show a lot when it comes to the family, that smaller unit of like, how do parents get what they want in a means that the Lord wouldn't call them to? Or why do they want their kids to be Christian? Is it they just want nice kids? They just want well-behaved kids? Is Mm -hmm. God a threat to their kids to get the kind of behavior they want? Mm -hmm. In fact, we talk a lot about not seeking obedience in kids through threat and fear. Yes. But the reason that so many parents use threats and fear is it's actually pretty functionally successful strategy. If, you, if your kid is afraid enough, they will do what you want, right? It's, a, it's effective. Uh, you, uh, one of the quotes I loved in your book, one of the things you said in talking about being driven by fear, you say, the first step to becoming a people of truth is to recognize that what makes us afraid or to recognize what makes us afraid and to ask why and who benefits from that fear. Mm. And I'd love to just to hear you expound on maybe who do you see benefiting from the pervasive kind of fear mongering, the division? Who benefits right now that, that it's so pervasive? Well, it
0: benefits two kinds of people. It, it benefits people who want to feel the drama uh, and the meaning of being in the middle of some great catastrophic battle. Uh, and that can that can give you that sort of adrenaline rush and that feeling, and especially if it 's directed towards some hated other group that that can feel like life a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to you for a little while and it also benefits the people who uh, back when i was um Academic uh, administrator, there would be all of these consultants who would want to come and to talk about accreditation. And a very wise friend of mine said, These consultants always want to identify a problem to which they are the solution. And so there are always going to be people who benefit from whatever you're afraid of by saying, I can fix it. I can fight it, yeah, whatever I'm, whatever that is. That, that, that benefits. But when you mentioned the kind of the fear that it, it works, it works for a little while and then it doesn't right. at all. Because, I mean, ultimately what happens with authoritarian uh, parenting or authoritarian churches or something else is that you have a kid realizes, no matter what I do, I'm not going to please this authority uh, and goes in the completely opposite direction. Or the kid uh, starts to realize, oh, this is what they're doing, is controlling me. And then you have a breakdown of that authority. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's really what what we're seeing right now is there's a loss of genuine authority the way that the scripture uh, presents it, which is not power and coercion. You don't have authority by scaring people or by threatening people. Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he has the authority that comes with his own credibility.
1: Yeah. And
0: and that's that's a much harder kind of authority to, to gain.
2: Mm. As we brace ourselves for this election year uh, and as our listeners uh, desire to have good conversations with their kids about American politics, can you give wisdom uh, to us and to our listeners, of how you would advise parents to discuss American politics with their kids?
0: Well, a lot of it will will depend on the kind of kids you have and what sorts of questions um, they have, and so I would pay attention to if you have the kind of kid who is like I was, who was just a you know I knew who the short lists for vice president uh, were. <sighs> you know when i was 14 uh <laughs> each year I mean, if you have somebody like that then what you're you're wanting to do is to kind of redirect uh that person away from the temptation to see that as ultimate hmm. and then with with other people what you're wanting to see often it's not so much about i think what parents think it's about is let's let's teach them the right political views to have hmm that that really is not that important, relatively speaking. And even if it were, you're not going to be able to to do that. <laughs> uh, instead, it's it really important for them to pick up whether or not you're lying about the people you don't
2: like mm-hmm. mm.
0: and, and that's 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 what often happens. If you don't have this consistent view of human dignity, and human fallenness, then you're going to present to your children this political idea that you have the sheep and the goats. And uh, these are the people. Instead of being able to, one of the things that I try to do with our kids is when we're talking about something, to help them to imagine what story a person is telling himself or herself Mm -hmm who would disagree with me completely mm. on something. This is, this is how this, and the, re, the reason I want to do that is because, and I've seen this happen uh, a million times, mm. even before you get to questions of politics on the more important issues of uh, foundational uh, reality and truth, is that it's really easy to get up and caricature, say, a naturalistic materialist. Mm. Uh, as as stupid or evil until that 18-year-old goes to college or is starting a first job and starts to meet somebody who holds those views and realizes, oh, this this person isn't stupid. This person isn't evil. Mm -hmm. And that creates a kind of crisis. Well, of course, Christianity has always known that that's the case and has a category for that. But sometimes we're afraid to actually act that way because we think it's not going to do what we want it to do, Jesus just isn't concerned about that. Um, and and that's you know if you look at most of the controversies that Jesus finds himself in, um, they are almost always with some group trying to pin him into a tribal um, uh, identity, mm. either their own yeah. or with their enemies, so that they can denounce him. And Jesus just refuses to play that mm. game.
2: It's so important because, I mean, our kids are listening to us even as we talk with friends or our spouses about politics. And and then they always go to school and then report, you know, what their parents are saying. And yeah. so my daughter's come home from school before with opinions about politicians. And I'm like, where did you hear that? You know, yeah. so curious because we don't talk a lot about it at home and we don't give it. I mean, we don't give a ton of attention to it when we're at the d- dinner table. But I do think leading with empathy and leading with you know behind behind every sign we're going to see this year in people's yards is a neighbor and it's a it's a person with a mm-hmm. story and I think that's really important for our kids to see is that we we care about the people and not necessarily the platforms. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to turn uh, a little bit towards your book from 2018, The Storm Toss Family, uh, which was so good. Is so good. Uh, in it, you say if we seek first the kingdom we are better able to seek the welfare of our families. If we love Jesus more than family, we are freed to love our families more than we ever would have otherwise. Could you share with us um, what that's looked like for you as a parent? And is it ever hard for you to love Jesus more than you love your family?
0: Well, of course, it's always hard to love Jesus more than any uh, earthly, natural uh, sort of affection, Mm. which is why Jesus warns us about it uh, so much. Um, But what what Jesus is saying there, um, I mean, look, for instance, at people who expect their marriage— to be a perfect soulmate who, who meets all of my physical, spiritual, emotional needs. Those are not happy marriages. Those end up being uh, resentment-filled uh, marriages because nobody can meet those mm-hmm. uh, expectations. And so you're comparing somebody with this imaginary sort of figure rather than loving that person. And if you look at the people whose kids are number one in their mm-hmm. lives, that is an awful situation and a burden for those children yeah. to bear because they become extensions of their parents. And, and it really matters whether or not Janie gets into this college that mm-hmm. I want her to get into or whether or not, uh, you know, all of those sorts of things. It, it actually keeps you from being a good spouse, good parent. But when they're not ultimate and everything's not at stake in terms of this, then you're actually able to be a good husband, wife, mom, dad. And it actually ties in with what, you were, uh, what we were talking about before. I'll often have people who will say, you know, I'm a young Christian and I'm wondering whether or not God is calling me to go into politics. And I'll say, well, I can't speak for God, but what I can say is, here's some, here's what I've learned. Are you the kind of person who has always been involved in student government? You've always gone to boy state, girl state, uh, th- those sorts of things. You've always been involved in that. If you are, you probably should not go into politics because you probably are going to be the kind of person for whom losing an election is going to feel like an existential threat. And if losing an election feels like an existential threat, then you're going to do whatever it takes not to lose an election, which means you're going to lose yourself, and you're going to end same. up burned over and cynical. And the same thing is true in terms of uh, in terms of parenting. If if you if you put everything and all the weight on that, then you're going to be mm. frantic. I mean, there a friend of mine has a book coming out in February about why we have such High rates of um, anxiety, uh, particularly anxiety among uh, Gen Zers, and one of the things as research has shown is a lot of that is because of the anxiety of their parents about them, uh, which is say there's a sense of frantic, "Am I doing this right?" that that is communicated to uh, to children in ways that that just it doesn 't lead to to thriving, mm. and so that 's what I see happening yeah. often
1: that 's so helpful honestly, all of that was, was such great wisdom. W- one of the things we talk a lot about on our show is is just how to you know relieve some of that uh, undue pressure to be mm-hmm. perfect and at the same time believing that we can please God there're not this just this worthless cast aside but valued to God and trying to import that into the way we parent and you know it's an impossible balance of knowing what risks to let your kids take and which ones to protect them from and I get why it's so hard to be a mom and a dad and Mm -hmm. one of the real purposes of our show we're not just talking about parenting we're really talking about disciple making about how do we lead families spiritually and often for us, obviously, that means we're teaching parents how to get in their Bibles together, how to how to how to pray together. But I wondered while we have you here, you're such an expert on current events. Could you give parents any wisdom on like why current events and cultural realities might be something also to consider in the way they disciple their mm-hmm. families that not just saying, hey, let's just open to the Gospel of John and pray, although obviously that's foundational, but why might like the the news cycle right now? be an opportunity that's open for parents to disciple their kids? And why might that even be important as we're preparing a generation? Well, I'm not sure that the news
0: cycle is important except in this way. If you can use conversations that are happening in the news cycle to teach um, and to form certain sets of intuitions about future matters, then that's important. It's not really important to you know, have a take a, a, as a family on some particular issue because you know, one of the things that we, we miss often is that we think that the most important or dangerous issues are the things being debated on social media right now, and that is almost never the case. The most dangerous things are the things that are out in front of you or that have been around, that that are so taken for granted that you don't even notice them. So, I mean, imagine, for instance, if you got in a a, a time machine and you went back to 2005 and you're trying to prepare parents uh, for how to raise their children. If you go there and you say, the most important challenge probably that you're going to face will be a piece of glass In your child's pocket that will connect him or her to all of the information in the world that would have sounded even just that short a time ago, that would have sounded absurd until it was ubiquitous. Right, So we're at a point right now where it doesn't, you don't even have this lag time. It's either that's crazy or, well, what are mm. you going to do? Mm. Uh, and so what you're trying to do is not so much catch this, this particular issue right here, right now, as much as you're wanting to sort of model how to look at something mm-hmm. like that and to, to work your way through it. I think that's what's most
3: important. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the truth of the gospel is uh, not changing. It is not part of the 24-hour news cycle. It is ongoing, never-ending, and we can always kind of be anchored right back to it. Thank you for that, Dr. Moore. Um, well, we're so grateful that you came and had this conversation with us today. We love just getting to hear your wisdom, and uh, I think you have a great voice for a podcast. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thank you. <laughs>
3: Uh, before we let you go, um, what are some ways that our listeners can be praying for you and for your family?
0: Well, I think the thing I I, I need prayer for uh, most is is to be close to the Lord, and um, you know I find that I'm in I'm in the most danger in terms of personal life, ministry, family, parenting, all of it, uh, if I am distant from God and so to to keep me in the presence of god i think is is a really
1: really important prayer request that i would have we will pray Amen. Yeah. thanks for sharing that thank you Well, listeners, uh, the new book is called Losing Our Religion, but I'll tell you everything that Dr. Moore has written is worth picking up. So go check out all of his books, but certainly the new one, Losing Our Religion. Thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out, by give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can always follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners, and we're looking forward to next week's episode. We'll see you next Monday. Thank you so much, Dr. Moore. Thank you.